You're listening to a Roddenberry podcast. Hello and welcome to This Week in Your Daily Star Trek News. Today is Sunday, May 22nd, 2022. Coming up on the show today, Star Trek Strange New Worlds is the most in-demand streaming series, with a couple of caveats, but it is uh, officially the most in-demand streaming series. Uh, We've got new gameplay footage of Star Trek Prodigy Supernova, the new video game coming out later this year. Paramount stock, in a big surprise, uh, jumps with the announcement of a big investment from uh, Berkshire Hathaway, and a school in New York is teaching kids to communicate better using Klingon. My name is Allison Pitt, and today's show is supported by people like you through Patreon. To find out more and add your support, uh, head to patreon.com forward slash daily Star Trek news. Uh, now, before we get going, I do want to remind you that all of today's stories are also available on dailystartreknews.com, including some that don't make it into the show today. Plus, we've got our sort of special weekly articles that happen, uh, including uh, Tease Trek Trivia Tuesday. We've got uh, This Week in Star Trek History and, of course, our events listening, uh, excuse me, our events listing that happens every week as well. So check those out on uh, DailyStarTrekNews.com. That's also the place that you can sign up for our Daily Star Trek newsletter that comes out every weekday straight to your inbox and you'll never miss a thing. It's great. Uh, Anyway, so what's coming up on the show today, uh, we've got the main news and then we're going to do a little poll, uh, uh, sorry, we'll do show and tell first and then we'll look at the poll results. Uh, The poll today is about Star Trek languages. Uh, So Star Trek languages fall into the category of, uh, I think they call them found languages or uh, there's a term for it. But basically, they have matured over time because people have created them. So I want to know if you could instantly speak any one language from Star Trek, which one would it be? You've got Klingon, which, by the way, you can actually learn on Duolingo, Uh, Vulcan, Romulan, or Temerian. Uh, Temerian, of course, is what they speak in the episode Darmok. So if you're not sure what Temerian is, right. So those choices, Klingon, Vulcan, Romulan, or, excuse me, Temerian. Uh, Which one would you like? Uh, You can vote here in the YouTube live chat. Uh, Or if you are not watching this or you're watching or listening back later or whatever, you can head over to Twitter. Uh, The handle over there is at Daily Trek News and that poll will run uh, overnight tonight. Okay. Let's go ahead and get started. And we're going to kick off today with on a really, really happy note. Uh, if you have been watching Star Trek Strange New Worlds, uh, hopefully you're loving it and enjoying it as much as I am. Um, and we got uh, official word this week from Parrot Analytics that Star Trek Strange New Worlds has ousted <laughs> our flag means death as the most in-demand streaming show um, that's on right now. Now, there's a couple of caveats. You know I'm a data person, so it's not the most in-demand streaming show ever or whatever. And of course, our flag means death has already completed its run, so it's not a huge surprise that a new uh, entry would uh, would add into there. Um, but they are actually talking about uh, breakout shows, which means shows that are uh, that have premiered in the last 100 days. So it's newish shows, uh, but regardless, it is quite an accomplishment from Strange New Worlds, which, as you know, uh, as, a, as of a couple weeks ago, was, was doing really well on Rotten Tomatoes as well in terms of critic reviews and audience reviews. Uh, so... Uh, like I said, this is from uh, Parrot Analytics, who, if you haven't heard from them before, I have. <laughs> They're pretty reliable. Now, um, to put it into context for you, uh, one of the 
advantages or disadvantages of, of uh, companies or production companies uh, using uh, distributing through streaming services is that nobody actually has to report their numbers. <laughs> so it's actually really difficult to know what actual streaming numbers are, uh, but Parrot Analytics has been doing their analysis for many years. Um, I remember talking about them when Paramount Plus, gosh, when CBS All Access first launched, Parrot Analytics was already a thing. So they're pretty reliable numbers, um, but like I said, they are, um, there's some caveats around the, the big news. Uh, here's, uh, here's what they said. Taking consumer research, streaming, downloads, social media, and other consumer engagement into consideration, uh, Star Trek's uh, Strange New Worlds comes out ahead of all other breakout shows, meaning a series which has premiered in the last hundred days. Um, uh, in conjunction with overall positive reviews, uh, the series uh, is 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 has got 31.5 times the average series demand, um, and it also, in addition to ousting uh, our flag means death, it also pushed Moon Knight, of course, back down in the list, which of course is already finished as well. So, uh, long story short, um, Strange New Worlds is uh, continuing to have success, uh, and what's great is that it, it seems to be. This is completely just my observation as somebody who goes around social media. It's actually even breaking out of the normal um, Star Trek circle on social media. I've seen big, big personalities that have nothing to do with Star Trek commenting on uh, the content and the quality of the show. So if you're not already watching it, I would suggest you give it, you give it a chance. And I'm sorry for those of you who are over uh, outside of the United States and Canada where you have to wait until later on in June or later to see it. Um, but when you do, I feel fairly confident that you'll enjoy it. Speaking of strange new worlds, um, I wanted to draw your attention to, obviously there's tons of marketing and everybody's doing interviews. <laughs> But I wanted to draw your attention to one particular um, interview we found this week that uh, was really, really interesting. And uh, credit to Chris Peterson on our staff for bringing this to my attention. So there was an interview by a, a website called comicsbeat.com, which we don't normally cover on this show. But they spoke to Bruce Horak, who plays the chief engineer Hemmer. Uh, in Star Trek Strange New Worlds. And they talk a lot about, you know, his, um, his experience growing up blind and what it meant to him to sort of hone his craft and get, uh, get offered a job on Star Trek. Uh, but the thing that is really interesting there is actually he talks about, um, he talks a little bit about that, you know, the, the Star Trek universe is something that he inspire, aspires to. Here's what he said. There's something about being able to tap into my own lived experience as someone with a disability who has fought against the ideas of impairment and the barriers, sometimes internal, sometimes external preconceptions of what I can and can't do, uh, inabilities and things like that. Um, so for him, it's important to be part of that universe. But the other part of this interview is actually talking about his um, his portraits, which are actually pretty remarkable. So um, he started uh, drawing por uh, painting portraits in t 2011, and what he said is was he wanted to interpret his own vision and share that with his friends and family. He then expanded that, and he has a goal of painting a thousand portraits, um, which I think he's more than halfway through. Uh, but it's uh, it was sort of an interesting. Um, 
piece of his character as a person, as an artist and an actor, to learn that about him. Um, and you can go and see all of those, uh, well, not all of them, but you can see some of his artwork on his personal website. So um, let's see. Yeah, it's brucehorak.com. <laughs> and of course, comicsbeat.com is where that interview is. And it's, it's, it's a more lengthy interview. And I, I recommend that you go and read it for yourself. He's a really interesting person. Um, and uh, uh, <laughs> I personally love his performance. He's really grumpy and it's amusing. Anyway, uh, go check that out. Highly recommended. That's all I've got for Strange New Worlds because if I keep talking about it, I'm gonna devolve into like fangirl. Uh, I'm really loving the show so far and I think, see, I'm doing it. <laughs> I will say one thing. Um, I am really loving Strange New Worlds so far. It doesn't always hit note perfect for me, but I'm okay with that. The thing that I love the most, which I think uh, I think we knew going into it, was that each episode so far has been something that you can think about and chew on, um, and uh, it will have huge amount of rewatchability. And ten years from now, we'll still be able to go back to Ghosts of Illyria and and talk about um, the Illyrian versus immigrant allegory, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, that to me. Is where it really gets me. But anyway, moving on to another, like, one of my favorite Star Trek shows at the moment is Star Trek Prodigy. Um, of course, they're on a break, but they're coming back. Um, and, uh, well, we don't actually know before or after, but we're getting a new video game, which is very exciting to me as a person. I'm a gamer, and uh, I am a... <laughs> Very bad gamer. Uh, I like really easy games. I like games for kids. One of my favorite games in the re in recent years has been Slime Rancher. So that tells you something about me as a gamer. Um, and I was very uh, fortunate to be inv invited to a premiere event, like a like a reveal event from Outright Games, who are the uh, publishers of the new Star Trek Prodigy game called Supernova. Now, um, I hope you managed to see it, but on Thursday they did a premiere event uh, live on YouTube uh, and it showed you not just Star Trek Prodigy, but a number of their other licensed games that are coming out over the coming uh, six months to a year or so. There's some really big titles in there. Um, but what we did get in addition to all of that was a new gameplay trailer for Supernova and a whole bunch of details about the game. So. Uh, let me start you off and tell you what the um, the, the sort of plotline uh, summary. After the USS Proto Star picks up strange readings from a dying star, Dal and Gwyn must race against time to save their friends, their ship, and an entire planetary system before a supernova destroys them all. Using their unique skills to overcome ingenious puzzles, endure hostile environments, and battle deadly robot armies. Dal and Gwyn must save their captured crewmates, Jankum Pog, Rock Talk, Zero, and Murph. But soon they encounter a deadly new enemy, one that will stop at nothing to destroy the USS Protostar and change the very course of history. Dun, dun, dun. Anyway, um, some of the most exciting things about this game are, uh, yes, you it's playable as Dal or Gwyn. Um, the rest of the cast is there. They're not playable. But it's the whole voice cast, including Kate Mulgrew. Uh, so it's a really authentic experience. Uh, also, it's uh, really nice for kids is that you can either play solo as Dal or Gwyn, and you can also play local two-player co-op. So this is not online. Um, 
in addition to, I was trying to find, sorry, bear with me. Yeah, you're going to get, it's uh, puzzles, a little bit of combat, um, and the, the styles are different. So Dal is more ranged with like a phaser and Gwyn has, is more like a melee battle. So there's a pretty decent variety that you should be able to play and it's going to be fun. Um, so that is coming out in October. October what? We're not sure, I don't think, but it's coming out in October and it's going to be available for PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Nintendo Switch, Xbox One, Xbox Series S or Series X, Steam and uh, Google Stadia. Uh, and it's going to be priced at uh, $40, uh, well, $39.99, um, different prices in different regions. And provisionally, it's rated 7 plus, which is like the sweet spot for me. Um, it should be really fun. I'm hoping that we'll see more and more gameplay out um, in the next couple of months, but it's definitely, definitely something to look forward to. All right. Uh, it's annoying. There was something else I really wanted to tell you about, and I can't remember what it was. I'll, if I think about it, I'll Oh, I know what it was, yes. Uh, you get to collect things that you can use to customize your protostar. There's no, I would say that there's, um, they've said right now there's no DLC right now. Um, there's no like uh, paid content at all in the game uh, that could change. The wording is like, you know, in the future, who knows. But um, but yeah, I love the idea that you you will in game be able to customize your protostar. That's pretty cool. Anyway, uh, moving on. Right. So our next story today um, is uh, business news. We haven't done business news in a while. And before we start, I probably should, I think I actually have to disclose that I do own Paramount stock. Not much. <laughs> it's a laughably small number of shares, but I do own shares. Um, yeah. So, um, this happened on, I think, uh, Monday or Tuesday, Deadline reported that Paramount stock jumped by about 10% uh, because of a disclosure made by Berkshire Hathaway, which uh, if you don't know what Berkshire Hathaway is, it's an investment firm um, that's led by uh, chairman and CEO Warren Buffett. They're one of the world's uh, uh, biggest companies. Uh, yes, it is number one on Forbes's global 2000 list of the world's largest public companies with more than $958 billion in assets. Um, Warren Buffett is, uh, they're, they're known for making um, big strategic investments. And on Monday, uh, in an SEC disclosure, they, um, they revealed that they had purchased almost 69 million shares of Paramount Global stock over the first quarter of 2022. Um, uh, deadline says that Buffett often looks for value in down markets, uh, which he apparently saw in the restructured Paramount Global. Um, they do note that streaming subscriptions topped expectations in the first quarter. Um, so it's really interesting, um, obviously, <laughs> 
<laughs> Obviously, I'm not a financial advisor, but if you listen to this show and the, the type of things that they've got um, coming down the pike for Paramount Global, it's not particularly surprising. Uh, although I would note that um, the stock price for it was Viacom CBS and then Paramount has struggled a little bit ever since their merger in 2019. Um, so this is a, a really big endorsement from one of the world's largest investment firms and we'll see what happens. Keep it in mind that um, Paramount Plus is rolling out in UK and Ireland and South Korea in June of this year with more to come. Who knows where that will go. Anyway, uh, businessy business. That's all. Uh, we're going to end the news today on a really feel-good story coming out of New York. Um, there is a school uh, in Brooklyn called the St. Mark Catholic Academy in Sheepshead Bay, and they are using Klingon to help their students learn how to communicate better. Now, this comes uh, via a report from NBC4 in New York. Um, and the way that this works is that a lot of the students are uh, learning English as a second language and their teachers were having difficulty getting them to communicate. So their principal sought some help from ACES, which is the American Center for English Language Studies at St. Joseph's University, who developed a training program using the Klingon language um, that focuses on overcoming linguistic challenges, um, building confidence, and developing empathy. And basically, the way that it works um, is that everyone in the class is able to put themselves into a similar situation where they don't know the language. Um, and uh, because of that, helps build empathy and makes the learning environment more fertile. Um, uh, another point that they brought up was that when you are able to act, when you have the protection of like a character because it's not you, it can help the students be more bold in their speaking of a language that they're unfamiliar with. Uh, the assistant director of ACES, uh, Rania Albadri, she talked about the program and she said, one of the key parts of empathy is to think about what it would feel like for you if you were in the same situation. By putting themselves in a situation similar to their students, teachers are able to better understand the challenges that their students face and how they can help individual students overcome them. They're now familiar with the psychology and emotions of students in the classrooms, and that will influence the way that they teach going forward. So a really heartwarming thing and lovely to see something like Klingon being used uh, in that application, especially where it's actually making a tangible difference in people's lives. So uh, well done to St. Mark Catholic Academy. Uh, hopefully, uh, I would love to see the results of that. Hopefully we'll hear more. So that is it for the news uh, this week. Um, it's not, um, it's not, again, there's not a huge amount going on because really we're pushing Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Um, so in a minute, I will move on and show you my show and tell for this week. Um, and I just want to remind you that there's a poll going. So if you're here with me uh, on the YouTube live stream, don't forget to vote in the poll, which I think is, nope, it's here. <laughs> I think it's, it's mirrored to me. I'm not sure. It's one of those two ways. Um, and uh, vote there or, or vote over live on live on Twitter. Um, I also want to remind you that this show is supported by uh, people like you through Patreon. If you'd like to support us uh, some more yourself, uh, head over to patreon.com forward slash daily Star Trek news and uh, find out a little bit more. Okay.
So I have a really cool um, Star Trek show and tell today. And this one comes uh, via, actually most of you will probably have seen this before and or know. Um, it is the book, The Star Trek The Next Generation Companion uh, by my dear friend Larry Nemechek. This is not the original printing, obviously got, uh, we picked it up um, for, very, for very little at a used bookstore. Um, Wait, Paul Wright says it's on my left. This is my left. So <laughs> we'll try that. Um, and yeah, okay, skipping back to the book, uh, Muhammad in the chat points out that Larry calls this version Old Blue. Now, listen, you know, books like this, you come across in various places. Um, I actually, so I actually love this. First of all, so this edition was published in 1992. And uh, those of you smarty pants out there will know that 1992 is actually before the end of Star Trek The Next Generation. So uh, while it is a wonderful companion to Star Trek The Next Generation, it is not a complete companion to Star Trek The Next Generation. It ends, uh, I'm trying to find it. It ends at the end of the fifth season. So the last episode, uh, that the book talks about uh, is actually Time Zero uh, and the Inner Light. Uh, and the reason I wanted to share this with you, it's absolutely fascinating. Um, I don't know if I've talked about it on this show before, but I am kind of obsessed with <sighs> retrofuturism, learning about what we used to think the future was going to be like. I find it fascinating. Tomorrowland at Disney, that kind of stuff, mid-century modern stuff is just absolutely, um, really gets my imagination going. Sometimes it's depressing because where's my flying skateboard? But um, <laughs> but still, it's, it's interesting. And it, so there's a, there's a piece at the end of this book called Beyond the Future. And in it, Larry is basically um, introducing you to what's coming. And of course, he has no idea what's coming because <laughs> at that point in time, you know, it was, Deep Space Nine was just being developed. Anyway, my point was I wanted to um, read you a little bit of a passage of this because it's such a cool sort of stuck-in-time view of what would be to come in Star Trek. So here's what he says. And what would the coming years bring for TNG? Even looking past the conclusion to Time's Arrow, by the end of the fifth season, Rick Berman was already talking of a possible seventh year of shows <laughs> going beyond the six for which the regular cast was originally optioned. The biggest impact on the series' immediate future was the mid-season announcement of a spin-off series, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, set to debut in January 1993, so after this book came out. While exact details of that show's format were being developed throughout summer 1992, one thing was certain. Rick Berman and Michael Piller, the duo to whom Gene Roddenberry had entrusted his pride and joy, would be firmly in charge and enjoy the same freedom and support from the studio that the Great Bird had received. Um, let me see. Okay, um, I'm going to skip some of it because 
I just want to catch the, the bits that I found particularly interesting. Um, so referring to Michael Piller and Rick Berman, although they had planned to oversee both Star Trek series, the sheer time and energy involved in getting Deep Space Nine off the ground led to changes in TNG's writing staff for the coming sixth season. Jerry Taylor, on board since season four as supervising producer, won a promotion to, uh, to co-executive producer, and Frank Abadamarco was hired on at her old title as her right-hand man. Um, Joe Minoski, the two-year veteran who had worked up to co-producer status, was offered a producer's job on DS9, but elected instead to take an extended sabbatical overseas to recharge his batteries, as, P as Pillar put it. Ron Moore returned for season six, as did veteran staff writers Renee Echeverria and Brandon Braga, who both won promotions to the title of story editor. Uh, executive script consultant Peter Allen Fields went on to become a co-producer on DS9, while Iris Stephen Bear, who had been so much of the Next Generation writing staff during the third season, returned to the Trek family to become supervising producer on DS9. Uh, there's a there's a few other. Um, uh, <laughs> um, staff reshuffling descriptions in there too, but I do, I'm going to skip ahead to the, the conclusion, which is kind of wonderful. With hardcore original Trek fans seemingly won over to the new show at last, the new show being <laughs> next gen, five seasons into it, people are finally being won over. Um, thanks to its superior writing and production values, as well as generation bridging events like unification and continued commercial success on over 245 commercial stations, with over 75, uh, excuse me, with over 70% of the US signed up already for DS9, it seemed certain that Gene Roddenberry's mythos, already an integral part of one generation's imagination, could look forward to an even brighter future. Uh, anyway, so that's it. This is the 1992 edition of the Star Trek The Next Generation Companion by Larry Nemechek. This book is still available. You can get it on Amazon or wherever. Uh, I believe it's been updated a little bit since then. Larry, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, I just wanted to share that with you because I thought it was extremely cool. Right. So it's time for us to check in on the poll. I'll give you guys another minute or two uh, to vote over here. Uh, remember, it's um, if you could speak any one language instantly um, from Star Trek, which would it be? You've got Klingon, Vulcan, Romulan, or Temerian. So let's see what we're looking at over on Twitter. So on Twitter, uh, with currently in the lead with 45% of the vote is Vulcan, which uh, honestly surprises me. Um, it's one of the, I guess, everyone knows uh, Klingon, although that is probably the most that's probably the best developed, I guess. Uh, but yeah, it surprises me that 45% of the vote is currently for Vulcan. 35% of, uh, of the vote in second place is Klingon, uh, Klingon of course. 15% is Temerian. And 5% uh, in last place, sadly, is Romulan. Although we don't hear a lot of people speaking Romulan. Um, I would make a really interesting note about Temerian. I think we almost speak Temerian already. <laughs> Tamarian is basically like, uh, if you had, okay, if you had like, yeah, it's basically memes. 
you know, it's stuff like Charlie bit my finger, you know, it's, uh, okay, I can't think of anything right now, but we're, we're halfway there. It's similar to how, uh, you know, um, some people say that emojis are a little bit like hieroglyphics, that uh, pictorial language again. It's very similar. Anyway, I'm going to end the poll here. I need dramatic music to play while I'm waiting. All right, so you guys in the chat. <laughs> With 47% of the vote, uh, Klingon's in the lead. Uh, the good news is you guys can learn it on Duolingo. Uh, and then uh, in a close second, Vulcan is with 34%. Um, Tamarian with 17% and really nobody cares about Romulan, which is hilarious uh, to me. So yeah, that's that. Uh, one note that I would say about Vulcan, uh, everybody and their brother has a, um, a, a, a Vulcan <laughs> script tattoo, uh, including me. But did you know that the, the version of Vulcan calligraphy that you see online, which was, uh, I believe, I'm going to really quickly look it up where it is because I get them confused um, do, 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 do. nope I'll find the I'll find the um, the website for you because all of the Vulcan calligraphy artwork that you see pretty much originates from one site which does a very good job of actually teaching you the Vulcan calligraphy uh, alphabet and also Vulcan handwriting, which is slightly different um, and how it's all put together and everything like that. Uh, it's a good website, but it's almost all comes from there. Did you know that you can't actually write that script uh, with your hand? Uh, <laughs> uh, you can try. Uh, you, I mean, well, you can. You can draw it, but it doesn't... Um, if you've ever tried to use an actual calligraphy pen, you, you can't do it. Um, anyway... There we go. Fun fact. Uh, all right, guys, that's it. <laughs> uh, that's it for the show today. But if you are here with me in uh, the YouTube live chat, stick around because we'll chat about some stuff at the end. Uh, and uh, otherwise, if you are not here, sorry, there's a little piece of fluff that keeps floating in front of my face. Uh, if you were not, if you were listening to me on the podcast, please come and join us over on YouTube sometime because it's a lot of fun. Anyway, that is it for this week in Daily Star Trek News. Thank you so much for listening. This is um, just a reminder that you can find all of this week's stories, including some stuff that didn't quite make it into the show, over at dailystartreknews.com. It's also the place that you can sign up for the Daily Star Trek newsletter at dailystartreknews.com forward slash contact. You can get all the stories delivered to you every weekday morning, and you basically don't have to do anything except give us your email. It's very, very easy. Anyway, thank you again for listening. This show is produced by me, Allison Pitt, and the stories here were written by Chris Peterson, Marina Kravchuk, Jack Brown, T. Rick Jones, and David Powell. Today's show, of course, was supported by people like you through Patreon. You can find out more and add your support at patreon.com forward slash daily Star Trek news. I'll be back next week with more of the Star Trek news you need to know. I'm Allison Pitt. Live long and prosper. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.